It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest, the magazine and the newsletter. Each hour here at Small Business uh, Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small enterprises uh, and their managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. We have an exciting program this week, and without further ado, let's get to our first guest, Nate Holtzoffel, went on Shark Tank Tank, the the television program and came away with an investor. We're particularly happy to have him on this show because I am wearing one of his belts and can uh, tell you it really works. Nate, welcome to this program. Thanks, Don. How are you? Uh, uh, I'm terrific, and I have to tell you, your belt really works. I'm in the process of of losing weight, and uh, the belt has gone right along with it. So thank you. That's fantastic. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad you like it. Okay. First off, uh, Nate, tell us what your product is uh, and uh, how you got to to, uh, Shark Tank. The Mission Belt Co. makes belts without holes in it. Most belts have holes in it every one inch. Mission belts uh, micro-adjust every quarter inch. They don't have any holes. Consequently, they almost never wear out. They look great, and we make the highest quality product that we physically can uh, it's an incredible buy for what it is. And the reason it's called Mission Belt is because every time we sell a belt, a uh, portion of the proceeds uh, go to help uh, hungry families feed themselves through microloans, uh, interest-free microloans all over the world. Okay. Uh, when you say we, there's two other partners. Who are they? I actually have three partners. I have my uh, wonderful partners. I get the best partners in the business. My brother, Zach, holds Apple, who manages all of our, our construction and all of the uh, – all of the all of the actual physical product is created. He handles Jeff Jensen, who makes all the business actually function and work. And then, of course, uh, my buddy Damon John. Well, we're going to get to him in a minute. For, uh, I have to tell you, uh, we, we wrote a story about you and put it on our uh, our newsletter. And you're also featured in, in uh, the next edition of Small Business Digest, the magazine. But oh, cool. the newsletter. Uh, so we know it's of interest because the uh, the newsletter uh, had the high it's the highest read story of the year uh, okay. because because everybody's interested in Shark Shark Tank and how you, you succeeded. So uh, tell us uh, tell us your journey to get there and uh, what you think are the uh, reasons for uh, your success. Well, you know, in the end of the day, what it's all about is delivering a quality product to people and having having the passion and the energy to push it forward and make it happen. Uh, it's about being yourself. It's about finding out who you are and working towards a goal and uh, getting it out there. And, and if you're really lucky, and we've been lucky, people take notice and they buy your product, they want to invest in your product, and, uh, you know, sometimes the stars just align, Don. Well, yes, but uh, uh, what made you decide to go to Shark Tank? You know what? I actually uh, had, uh, you know, started selling my belts, and a couple of different people said, "Hey, you should take that and put that on Shark Tank." I thought, well, I, I don't know. And anyway, I decided, well, you know what? The heck, I'm going to do this. So I sent an email in, and uh, a couple of days later, I got an email back that said, "Hey, we're we're interested." Um, 
nothing's for sure, but we're definitely interested. And then there's a series of, oh, I don't know, seven or eight tiers that you have to go through to actually make it to a point where you actually get invited to come down and film. And then if you film, uh, even then you're not guaranteed to air. You don't know you're going to air until just a few days before the show actually pops up. So it's about a year-long process, and uh, it's... It's definitely uh, it's definitely intense when you think about the time commitment that you put in, uh, hoping it'll all pan out, and it does. Well, uh, Nate, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I liked about your product, and which apparently uh, uh, the the investor did, was the quality. Uh, oh, yeah. Tell us, it's an American-made product. Am I correct? Uh, we actually make the product abroad in two different factories, and we do final assembly and quality control in the United States. All the tags and all the packaging and all that gets done here as well. And so it takes a lot of different people to make the mission belt come together and work, but the quality is fantastic. And as far as I know, it's the very best belt I've ever been able to find, regardless of price point. I've had belts for 200 bucks that aren't half as nice as a 35 or a $40 mission belt. Well, um... Uh, we're having a little trouble uh, with your phone. Can you talk a little bit uh, closer to your phone? Yeah, uh, uh, okay, I appreciate it. Um, what, uh, uh, as I understand it, you went in, you went in looking for a hundred thousand, and you got fifty thousand for thirty three percent of your company. Did I did I get the figures right? Uh, no, actually, we went in uh, looking for fifty thousand dollars for twenty percent. And Damon actually ended up wanting forty, and I negotiated to thirty-seven and a half. Okay. Um, truth is, it's a no-brainer dealing with Damon, though. That guy's a genius, and he's worth thirty-seven and a half percent all day long. Well, an investor, what does he bring to the table that uh, besides his money? More than money. Um, you know, money is the least of what Damon brings. There's a dozen people who are willing to write me a check right now. Uh, Damon brings expertise. Uh, wisdom, street smarts. Damon is so well connected uh, and just sharp, 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 sharp. The guy is uh, the guy is incredible. So it's basically what it's like is like playing on the same basketball team with Michael Jordan. The guy's incredible, mm-hmm. and there's just no way to beat him. It was definitely the partner for us, uh, dream scenario, and getting him to take interest in us and trust us to work with him, uh, t- totally incredible and phenomenal. Well, yeah, I noticed um, um, uh, as a lesson for uh, other small businesses, uh, an investor should bring just more than money to to the table. Would you agree? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. If you you sign up with a guy just for money, you're in huge, huge trouble because that person does not bring enough. I mean, money is valuable, and you need money. But the reality of it is it's just not enough for a a partner. They're not going to be able to help you make the right decisions. You need somebody who's savvy. Damon's very savvy. My other two business partners, Zach and Jeff, very savvy, smart guys who know how to make it all work. We're loaded to the teeth with quality people at Mission Belt. And uh, I'm happy to be surrounded by all of them. They're all smarter than me, that's for sure. Well, uh, what really comes through is your enthusiasm. No wonder you, you want on Shark Shark Tank. <laughs> I like being alive, and I like doing what I do. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you got a choice in life to wake up, and you know you can you can decide to do whatever you want with your time. You know, in, in real estate, it's all about location, location, location. In life, it's attitude, 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 and that's what sets the pace. Well, how did you come about to start your company? Uh, you know, decided I wanted to do something that was uh, unique and different, but at the same time, I didn't want to create a product that I uh, had to re-educate people on for years and years and years before they would start buying it and seeing that it was valuable. It made sense. I think it was a hole in the market. Um, you know, there's a lot of different companies that come out and they make a product that's boring and they make it cool. And we took a product like the Belt, which has been around for an infinite amount of time, uh, and we just made it fun, neat, and cool, and people love that about it. Uh you know, it's a really good product, and so you know, I, it, it just seemed to be it seemed to be the right thing to do. And so, um, you know, we made some prototypes, built up some products, and just started just started selling it. And in a short amount of time, we had sold you know a fair bit of it. And you know, things keep rolling. It's just just like how anything gets started. How do you meet your wife? One date at a time. You know. Mm. Well, uh, that's a good philosophy. Um, when you appeared on Shark Tank, uh, someone told me that you, uh, the orders came in that you had to have one person 
standing uh, by full time feeding the paper into your factory? Uh, yeah, feed? yeah, yeah. We have we've had to do a lot of hirings, and uh, actually, we actually do have a full time employee whose entire job is to run the printer. And what they do is they actually keep the printer loaded, full of toner, full of paper, and then the arms. They actually keep the arms from breaking off. Um, we actually got the thing jammed the uh, first day we were running it. Just because we're literally printing boxes and boxes of paper. There's a single sheet for every order that we pack in a slip and send out, and it's it's a lot of paper. It's more than you'd ever dream. Well, um, uh, let's get back to Damon for a minute. What are the, some of the things that he's brought to the table that you really feel are in, uh, important uh, for for our listeners who are small business leaders to know about? Well, one of the things that's you know incredible about Damon is that Damon gets it. He's done this before. He sold FUBU for $3.8 billion. The guy's been around the block. There's very few people in the clothing industry uh, who know the business better than he does. And so what Damon brings is an expertise, an understanding, and contacts. Contacts, contacts, contacts. Uh, he's got great people who handle our licensing for us, uh, Face Page, He's got great people around at Shark Branding, Ted Kingsbury. There's incredible people that are working in his organization that I have full access to. And being able to have access to those people and their ideas and their abilities, uh, it's it's incredible. It's there's, there's, no, there's no word that can singly describe it, but it's it's that. He brings contacts. He brings info. He brings ability. And uh, believe me, everybody takes my phone call now. You know, I'm <laughs> partners with Damon John. <laughs> Uh, how do you and, and your partners br break up the work? So we each have unique, specific skill sets. Um, my brother does all the manufacturing. Uh, he is he's good at that. He's got that under control. He knows exactly what to do. Zach's been in manufacturing for about eight years. Uh, hardly a novice by any means. Zach's also very detail oriented and uh, a bit of a pessimist. So he's always he's always hedging things out, and he does a really good job of protecting us and taking care of it. Uh, Jeff Jensen. Uh, Jeff makes all the money work. He keeps all the all, all the IT stuff in line. He hires and fires people that we need to. Things that you know not everybody's good at. Uh, Jeff makes the whole business actually physically function. Uh, runs the money around. He made sure that our websites didn't crash during Shark Tank. Most people have a website that crashes. Ours did not. Mission Bell Co. has been running like a top, and it's because of Jeff Jensen. Uh, and then my personal abilities are, are, are few, but uh, I get along with people, and that's really all I do. Just, uh, you know, I, I sell belts, I talk to people, I, you know, I, I do, I do that portion of the business. And then, you know, Damon with all of his contacts and his expertise, the four of us together, we make a, we make a, a, a pretty, a pretty serious team. It's hard to beat. Um. If you were starting out today, what what would you do, have done differently now than before than when you first started out? You know what? It's just so crazy. To, uh, I, I know what you're saying a lot of times, whatever. But I, I got to be really honest with you. Um, I don't think I would do anything different. I worked really hard from day one. I've had the best partners. Uh, we've had uh, you know our own money. I mean, they're just they're just. It's been ideal. There's just no, there's no other way to see it than to watch the thing explode. It's ten times bigger than we ever dreamed it would be, and I, I just can't imagine a better scenario. I mean, I, I can't think of a way to make it better. Uh, I just, I, I really can't. So it's, it's, it's truly, it's truly incredible. Well, you know that's re that's really interesting. Usually somebody has something, but I will tell you one thing: you're a terrific salesperson. I bet you you don't Thank take you. no for an answer. Uh, you know, I try not to. You know, uh, try and make things open and easy, but at the same time, I'm you know, I'm I'm not uh, not pushy. You know, just try and make things make sense, and if it makes sense, and we do a deal, it's good. You know, and so we we end up with a lot of people who uh, who like our style and the way we uh, roll. Well, uh, you, you right now you're a one product uh, company. Do you have plans to expand? Yeah, Damon has some pretty interesting things cooking. Um, we're actually prototyping some new products that are going to be pretty interesting, and uh, you'll see those coming out over the next uh, over the next eighteen months. Um, we will always make belts. We're a belt company, but uh, there are there are products that are cooking right now. But. 
will be pretty exciting. I think everyone will really like them. Well, what do you think? Um, uh, how are you going about uh, creating your uh, brand image? That's always a question that they ask, uh, and I know they ask it on Shark Tank all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, we've done a great job branding Mission Belt Co. Um, we, uh, you know, we we started out with an incredible logo that looks great. People like it. We get compliments all the time. We sell tons of shirts, uh, tons of hats. People want to be a part of the mission. Uh, we've had a couple of companies that call up and they actually want to make products with our logos on them. You know, and so. It's been very popular and very cool. We try to make things really, really fun and easy going. Uh, on the inside of your belt, if you look at the very tip, instead of just saying 100% leather, we say, yeah, it's leather. We try to make things lighthearted, fun, exciting, and it's not about, you know, stuffiness. Uh, we, I wear shorts basically every day unless it's too cold. Uh, very casual uh, environment at Mission Belt Co., but at the same time, ultra-professional. We follow up. We do our jobs right. We do everything you'd expect. Uh, but, you know, we do it in a casual, fun way. And it's a, it's a good place to be for sure. So, you know, a lot of the branding is our personality. It's, uh, it's fun. It's low-key. Uh, but at the same time, uh, excellent product. Excellent product and excellent customer service. You won't find better customer service anywhere. You might find customer service that's just as good, but it won't be any better. And so that's, that's our brand. That's us. <laughs> uh, you know, you seem to have um... – uh, all of the bases covered. Uh, what, what advice would you give someone starting out uh, in a new business with an idea like yours? What I, think the, I, think the, I think the most important thing when you start out a new business is to, A, start in the first place. So many people sit around and wait for that perfect wave. There are no perfect waves. There are no perfect scenarios. If you wait for all conditions to be ideal, you will never get in the water. It just won't happen. Um, so you do, you do need to take a jump and a leap. There's good times and bad times, you know, uh, but, but definitely there's never going to be a perfect moment where it's just perfect. So you've got to jump in. Uh, second thing, know yourself. Know what you're capable of. The reason I have all these partners is uh, because I need them. They are the people that help this thing come around. If you don't have the right partners or you think you can do it all by yourself, I think you're totally crazy. I could not run Mission Belt Co. by myself. There's no way. And so I think, you know, get qualified people, and they don't have to be your best friends from high school. Look for qualified, competent people who bring more to the table than you do. I've always surrounded myself by people who are smarter, more capable, better looking, whatever I can get. Whatever I can get as far as better, I look for. And, you know, that's, that's why I have the partners that I do. And uh, that, those, those things right there, I think those things are the real key thing. You know, just, and have passion for it. If you don't have passion for your product – and you think you can, you know, have other people work and do it for you, you're going to be able to hire people to work hard for you, it's crazy. Uh, you have to put in more time into your business than anybody, and that will set the precedent for what everybody else in the office does. So you've got to be, you've got to be determined. It's not for, it's not for uh, somebody to take lightly. Starting your own business, having your own business is tough. It takes, it takes guts. I mean, even for employees, you know, I used to be an employee of a, uh, of a big business, whatever, and I was a top performer at that business. You know what I mean? So if you're not a top performer in your business right now, figure out how to become a top performer. When you become a top performer, then, you know, say, hey, look, I'm ready for this. But, uh, you know, a lot of people fail in business because I don't think they realize the work, the effort, and the dedication it takes to make it happen. You know, that's very good advice. I'm, I, I, I'm wondering, where are you located? I'm in Utah today. I spend about half my time in California and half my time in Utah. We have a warehouse and a lot of our staff here in Utah. Oh, uh, but the main uh, um, do you think the uh, location has uh, has an effect on on starting a business? Uh, I think a lot of times it does. Um, you know, our headquarters is in Newport Beach, California. Uh, the reality of it is, is that. You know, I think you can make a business anywhere in the United States that makes sense, you know, especially mainland, you know, lower 48. Those are all going to be excellent places where you're going to be able to ship out your product, get it to people. Utah is a central location, and we're able to ship things to California and the East Coast in a very short amount of time. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good location for that. Um, I don't necessarily know that, 
it's the most important thing. I mean, if it's you've got a brick and mortar store, well, you know, then it, you know location becomes a lot more important. But uh, the reality of it is, is uh, we have a web presence. It's very, very strong. It's strong every day. We have tons of retailers who are calling in who want to buy the product. So I don't necessarily know that that's a reason. I don't think you need to move to somewhere exotic or Miami or New York in order to start your business. Um, you know, I think I, I think that everybody's a little bit different. But today with the internet, I think it changes. When you go back to Damon when he started out. Uh, you know, Damon. You know, Damon was in the right area to do his thing. If Damon had been raised in, uh, you know, Topeka, Kansas, it might have been a little bit harder for him to get, you know, LL Cool J to wear his shirt. So, you know, I, I mean, there definitely is that aspect of it. But in today's day and age, um, you know, I don't know how important it is. I mean, it. it I mean, yeah, but then again, my partner is Damon, so I consequently know everybody through Damon. So maybe that does matter. Well, let me. Uh, what do you look for in an employee? Uh, I don't believe in resumes personally. I really don't care what a person's done. I look for what a person's going to do and what they're capable of. Uh, I don't have very many abilities or talents, but I'm unusually perceptive, and I can meet a person and talk to them in about five minutes, and I know what I'm dealing with. Uh, you know, so when I'm looking for somebody to to work, I'm looking for somebody who accepts fault like I do. I'm a very big believer in taking credit for all the dumb things I do, because I do a lot of them. Uh, somebody who shirks off or cuts out early or doesn't want to, you know, doesn't necessarily want to be there, um, it's obvious. There's a lot of people who do a job just barely, and they're looking forward to Friday at 5 o'clock. Uh, those are things that are very unattractive to an employer. I want someone who likes what they do and has fun at what they do. All of our employees at Mission Belt Co. love their jobs. And, uh, you know, we, we try and take care of everybody and make sure everybody stays happy. But like I said, really, the resumes, it's not important to me. I think it's an antiquated process. I think the four-day or five-day or the four-week interview, I think that's antiquated. And uh, I think it's I think it's ridiculous. So we'll usually uh, we'll usually meet people, talk to them, have them to lunch, and we'll make a decision uh, based off of that, you know, an, an oral interview, really quick, fast. We know what we're talking about quick. Um, uh, have you been wrong? Uh, about people? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, not, not in a long time. I mean, it happens for sure, but it's it's pretty rare. I, I don't mean to ask that, but uh, I often Oh, no, go, you're welcome to. Well, uh, I often uh, try to do the same thing, and I like to, I like to go with my gut. But sometimes it's come back to bite me in the, you know what? You know, the thing about it is, is I think gut. I think your gut. You know, you might make a few mistakes, but having a resume and dragging out an application process over four or five weeks, you can have the same mistakes. I don't think that there's any. I, I guess the point is that there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine, uh, uh, his name is John Pastana. He says, I make decisions quick and fast, and by the time you've made your decision about what to do, I've made two wrong decisions and figured out the right way to do it. And there's math in that, where, you know, you can't sit around on your hands for two or three weeks trying to figure out what to do. Just do it. You're not going to know what you have until you hire the person or until you try it. You just don't know. And caution is important, but I think it's also a crutch. And if you're not careful, you're going to be waiting for that perfect wave. Perfect waves don't come along, you know. And I'm not going to find somebody who's going to work harder on my business than I do. I'm not an idealist. I don't. I don't dream of finding that perfect employee who's ideal. I, you know, our employees are human beings just like the rest of us. You know, and I don't expect them to work as hard for this business as I do. They get paid. I have a bell company, and I have. Uh, I get to be me. You know, and so you know, I look for the best of what I can get, and we've been very lucky. We found a lot of good people. Well, you know, uh, uh, we define a small business, and when the people talk about it as uh, our company, and a big business is when they call it the company. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I often uh, I, I've been listening to you, and you, you clearly are very passionate and hands-on on the company. How many employees do you have now? I'm not even necessarily sure right now. Um, my oh. brother and Jeff handle most of that, but we've—I know—we're probably I don't know two dozen or so. We've got a lot of people that make everything happen. There's a lot of people packing up shipping. I know we have five, five uh, people who do customer service. Um, we have a designer. We have a bunch of bodies around them. I'm really not exactly sure how many today. You know, Nate, it, it's really been a pleasure talking to you. Um, oh, it's uh, talking to you, Don. Uh, uh, I have to tell you, uh, your belt is terrific. Um, uh, and uh, 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 if they're interested, they uh, 
if listeners, the, the whole story, including a Q&A, uh, is available on uh, Small Business Digest, the newsletter. That's two, the number two, sbdigest.com. And there's a story c- coming out in the next issue of Small, <clears throat> Small Business Digest, the magazine. Uh, oh, our second... Our second guest just dropped, um, but she just came back. So, Nate, we want to thank you again and hope that uh, uh, you'll come back to the program and talk about it in the future. Anytime. Thanks so much, Don. Have a great day. Okay. In a moment, we'll, uh, we'll be with Talia Goldstein, but first a word from our uh, from our sponsors. Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2HSA.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit cost. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2HSA.com. That's 2HSA.com. We're back, and uh, we're here with Talia Goldstein, who is who has taken an old uh, an old um, uh, service and given it a new twist. Talia, are you there? I'm here. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming on board. Uh, Talia, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll talk about uh, your successful company. Sure. Well, um, I I was a television producer, and my business partner was an attorney back in the day. And basically, we were working on 16-hour days and uh, never had any time for our love lives, so we decided to start three-day rule to help other singles like us. And that's how you came up with the idea? Yeah, basically, we... um, we were just slaving away in our cubicles, and we never had any time to date. And we started hosting these singles events just for our friends because nobody had time to um, go to bars to meet other singles. So the event started with about 20 people, and after a few months, we were hosting parties for 600 people at a time. And we'd look around, and everybody was just like us. They were lawyers and doctors and you know, great professional people that were just too busy to date. So we realized we had something, and we started the website. So so t- now tell us what your business is and how it works. So right now, the old business, what originally started was, um, it was a blog for women, actually. And we would tell girls where to go based on their guide sites. So they would take a quiz, and we'd tell them, you like the corporate guy or you like the doc, and these are the bars he goes to. And that turned into a matchmaking service, and we had a matchmaking service for a couple years, and we realized it was very successful, but it was hard to help a lot of people. So in September 2012, we launched 3-Day Roll, which is an online website, and anybody can sign up, but not everybody is accepted. So you have to be invited or apply, um, and we just basically take the best singles who are also looking for a relationship um, and very similar to the regular online, traditional online dating sites, but it's picked up a notch because the people are quality and they have matchmaker, um, they can talk to matchmakers if they'd like. Um, uh, we got we had a little uh, technical difficulty. Uh, what's the, what's the na- uh, your website's name? It's called URL. Three Day Rule. It's T H R E E D A Y R U L E. Three Day Rule. It's that stupid rule guys think they're supposed to wait three days to call a girl. We we don't believe in that at all. That's just the name. Well, what is your criteria for for accepting someone into the program? So it's important for us that they're relationship minded. There are plenty of sites out there for people that want activity partners and. You know, just a little fling. We really want somebody that's looking for a relationship. And then they should be um, a number of things, and whether that's educated or they have a good job or passionate about something or interesting, um, they basically have to meet some of the criteria. They don't have to meet them all, um, but they 
on our end, we see a score. So they have to pass our test in order to get on the site. Well, are you age specific? Uh, uh, no. It can be the majority of the people are in their 30s and 40s or late 20s to late 40s, but we don't have a specific age group. You can be in your 50s and 60s and be on the site as well. Well, what do you find people um, are interested in? Uh, are they interested in a relationship or companionship? Uh, yeah, I mean, the people that are most interested in a relationship are in their 30s and 40s. In the 20s, you're, you're not ready for a commitment. And I think a little later in life, you're looking for a companion um, a lot of the time. So it definitely differs, and we keep that in mind. But we just want people that truly want to be in a relationship and aren't dating, you know, ten people at the same time. Oh, uh, it appears there's an awful, uh, if you judge by all of the commercials for Match and everybody else, a lot of people seem to want to be in, in relationships. And uh, uh, the old-fashioned way of doing things where somebody introduced you, do you think that's uh, changing? Because more people seem to be finding people on the Internet than uh, through um, acquaintances. Right. Well, I think actually through friends is the best way to meet somebody. I, I believe that. And that's why our, our website feels like a friend is matching you because you're already getting endorsed before you get on. On top of that, we have matchmakers in every city that we're launched in, so you can meet through the matchmakers as well if you'd rather that. But I just I think meeting through friends is the best way to meet somebody. But if you don't have anyone to set you up or it's not working out, definitely online is a really easy way to go. And times are changing a lot. Um, so many people are meeting online. It's very common, and there's no stigma about it anymore. Yeah, um uh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've been uh, in, involved for over uh, 28 years, so I'm way out of the dating scene. <laughs> you missed uh, that whole thing. Uh, well, I got lucky. Uh, uh, again, a, a friend introduced us. But um, uh, for people in general today in their 30s and 40s, um, do you do you do you think it's more difficult to find someone than it was, say, 10 or 15 years ago? Absolutely, I do. I think that because there are so many options now, you break up with someone, you just go online. There's just back in the day, you sort of met through friends and you we're happy with somebody for a very long time. And now that there are so many options, you know, if you're having trouble in a relationship, you're like, you know what, maybe this isn't going to work. There's so many other people out there that I can meet online. So I think that's taken a little bit of a toll on relationships. I think it was a lot easier back in the day when you met your person and you stayed with them forever. So, I mean, I we have matchmakers that are setting people up and hopefully they, you know, this is it. They're with the, the person forever and, um, that technology definitely added a twist to relationships. Well, you, you know, um, I, I'm fascinated. Uh, you know, I watch some of the younger, younger people, some of the older uh, p people have said that we're, we're instead of lifetime commitments, we, we're having periodic commitments, and we're mm -hmm. moving into that. Well, what is it? Half of all marriages uh, end in divorce nowadays. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of it does have to do with technology and how easy it is to just find somebody else. You know, that's an interesting take that I hadn't uh, heard before. Uh, the availability of it makes it uh, possible to uh, to find other other people. Usually you found the, the next-door neighbor or someone like that, right. but... The, um, but uh, now I guess it's not it's not the case. Uh, uh, I watch I read these Dear Abby columns and they always talk about the husband was trolling the uh, the uh, dating games. Mm -hmm. um, and, right, uh, it's such easy access. I mean, you can do it at work. You can be at the gym on your phone. Anybody can be checking these these sites um, at any time. So. It's, it definitely uh, makes relationships a little bit harder. You're not totally sure what's going on, but hopefully you're in such a solid relationship that it's not a 
not a problem. Uh, well, uh, I hate to ask the uh, well, I'd like to ask the question, but you don't have to answer. Did you find? Uh, how did you find your uh, significant other? So I met him at a party through a friend that. When we first started the site, we wrote up all the different types of guys that we felt that that there were, and um, I had a very specific type. So I walked into a party, and I saw my type, who what we categorize it is a stable indie rocker, and that's basically somebody that is very into the music scene and likes to go to concerts, but he can also pay his bills. So I walked into a party. I saw him. I told my friend, bring this guy over here right now, and that was it. So... It definitely went along with our type philosophy, and I was very happy married, and I recently had a son. So, congratulations! Thank you. Uh, uh, again, Talia, your website and how people can reach you. Sure, it's called Three Day Rule dot com. You have to spell it out, and um, you just go on and apply, and you will get an email notifying you if you've been accepted, waitlisted, or denied. Okay. Talia, thank you very much for being with us today. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm just glad not to be in the dating scene anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You should be. Enjoy your marriage. (laughs) I'm very happily uh, married, but I I do know somebody I'm going to send to you, because you're opening up in New York uh, soon, right? Correct, yes. This week, actually, we'll be in New York, we're in Los Angeles, and um, in the next couple weeks, San Francisco. But anybody can apply, and we'll be in your city soon. Okay. We'll look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Uh, uh, we'll be. Uh, our next guest is Barefoot Wines, uh, the founders of Barefoot Wines, Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey. They'll be with us in a minute after this commercial. Many small businesses purchase supplies, equipment, other needs through local stores. To save money on many of these purchases, consider Deem.com. This purchasing site offers real bargains and large discounts on many key items needed to run your business, and it's free to join and use. That's D-E-E-M.com. Again, D-E-E-M.com for all your small business needs. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we have with us uh, Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey, uh, who uh, founded, grew, and then sold Barefoot wi- uh, Wines. And I have to tell you, uh, th- th- there are many people out there that wish they could start a winery and be successful. Uh, uh, Mike and Bonnie, are you on? Yes, we're here. Hi. How are Hi, you, Dan? Uh, uh, I'm fine. I just finished reading your book. Um, Excellent. Uh, um, uh, and I found it fascinating, and we'll, we'll get into this. But first, uh, uh, can we start by asking, why did you just decide to do a winery, and, and what were the reasons for its success? Okay, well, first of all, like most business opportunities, uh, you don't choose them, they choose you. And this was no different. We had a friend who was a farmer, and he wasn't getting paid for his grapes for about three years from this winery. So he asked us to go see if we could negotiate a deal with the bankrupt winery. And uh, the only deal we could get out of him was uh, bottling services and bulk wine. So then we were faced with how were we going to sell this to pay off his debt. And he didn't want to go into business for himself, and so we had to take over the business and go into the business of converting the bottling services and bulk wine into, you know, a bottled wine sold with a label in the marketplace. And uh, that's how we started Barefoot Wine. And I think the success has a lot to do with how we started as well, because we started without any money and we started without any knowledge of the industry so we had to be pretty clever and and creative with with what we had we couldn't afford paid advertising so we went out into the community to see what it was our end user was interested in and they were interested in in um 
supporting their own communities by putting in parks or a new library or after-school services or clean water and this kind of thing. So we supported the nonprofits and community fundraisers that our end user was interested in. And that was the reason for our big success. Oh, you're loca- uh, Barefoot was, is located or was located where? Oh, we're in uh, California, uh, although we're in New York today. Uh, but our, our winery was in California, and uh, we built it up from 1986 to uh, 2005. Nineteen years. Um, yes. But, we sold it in uh, all 50 states and in 28 foreign countries, and about 600,000 cases a year, and we won the industry's awards for uh, fastest-growing wine at the time. Well, how did you come up with the name Barefoot Wines? Well, we wanted a name that was as far away from nose in the air as humanly possible. (laughs) Wines were pretty stuffy in the 80s, and a lot of people were intimidated by that. And um, actually, I was one of them. I I didn't know how to pronounce the words on the label because I don't speak French. And once we realized we were going into the wine industry, I said, well, I'd better be able to pronounce all the words on my own label, and it better be friendly, and come to find out there was a lot of other people out there that felt the same way. And also because, you know, we had all this wine and bottling services that were given to us in Trade for Debt, you know, we went to the wine buyers, the largest wine buyers in California, and we said, just tell us what you want. We can build it for you. We can make it any way you want it. And uh, they told us what they wanted, and they also said, oh, by the way, uh, make the name the same as the logo and make it something that people can readily identify with, put it in plain English, and make it visible from four feet away. And so the barefoot was the perfect solution because that's the way grapes were originally crushed, barefoot. And, of course, when you're barefoot, you're relaxed and you're recreating and you're having a great time. No, it's it's a wonderful. What are the lessons you've learned in, uh, in starting and growing your own business that you want to pass on to other uh, small business leaders? Well, there there are so many, Don. That's why we wrote the book, The Barefoot Spirit, is so we could put all those lessons in there. I think one of the main things that we learned is that even though we had a a, high, a a great value in our wine, award-winning, and it had a really cute label, that didn't mean it was going to fly off the shelf. What we realized, the biggest lesson we learned, was that we really had to understand and know how to manage the distribution system. Because even with the best product, if it's not on the shelf, if it's not made available to your end user, you're not going to make any sales. Yeah, like we thought... Gee, barefoot, this will sell in Hawaii. Everybody's running around barefoot, and half the bars are called Barefoot Bar. So we went over there, and sure enough, people bought it, and it went into the stores, and then there was no sales after that. So I'd go back three months later and say, hey, how come there was no sales? They, oh, well, it's sold out. Well, didn't you guys put it back on the shelf? Didn't you order it from the distributor? Oh, no, the distributor had something else to sell the next day. Oh, my gosh. Well, here, put it back in. So I put it back in, and this went on for like two, to about two years. And finally, Bonnie came to me, and she said, "Look, this is how much money we make in Hawaii, and this is what it costs you to go over there and get the orders." And it just doesn't make sense. So that's when we realized we had to put a guy in Hawaii, and we had to put a guy in New York, and we had to put a guy in Louisiana. And then we thought, boy, we're not in the wine business; we're in the distribution business. We could be selling hammers over here. <laughs> That's a great example. That is a great example, and uh, small business leaders always run into things like that. Uh, oh well, yeah, reality. It's, you hit the wall. Thing uh, is, well, you think you're in one business, but you're actually in three businesses. The three businesses that every business is in are. Cash flow management, got to pay the bills, got to stay in business, so cash flow management. And then there's personnel management, got to know how to hire and fire and train and mentor. Uh, and you can't you can't lose your best salesman. You can take all your salespeople away to your competitor. can't do that. Okay, so 
That's personnel management. And the last business that most people forget is distribution management, which is you can't just sell it to your customer. You have to sell it to your customer's customer's customer. And, you know, it's really not sold until it's been sold three or four times. So that distribution management is a real challenge in every business. I don't care what you think you invented. You could have the best mousetrap or you could have anti-grav or, you know, you could have eternal life. But uh, whatever your product is, it still has to be distributed. Well, you, you, uh, I found your book. Uh, I read, obviously, a lot of the books that come through. Uh, but uh, I think you have some particularly salient points uh, that I would love for you to kind of s- summarize. In, in uh, That was one of them, the three businesses. But what else would you say to a small business uh, leader? Well, one of the things that we learned is how to make mistakes right because um, any company is going to make mistakes and you're going to make a lot of them, hopefully, or you're not going to grow and you're not going to be innovative. So part of making those mistakes is what, how do you handle uh, m- making mistakes? And you've got to give your staff permission to make mistakes, not to be stupid, but to understand when a mistake is made, no matter who has made it, You've got to, first of all, admit that it happened. You don't try to hide it. And second of all, you figure out how it happened and what you can do to make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, there might be a lot of forms that you have to change. There may be checklists that need to be uh, created or job descriptions need to be changed or maybe even it's a contract that needs to be changed. And whoever the offended party is, you've got to go to them and say, This is the mistake that was made, this is how it was made, and here's all the forms and documents that we've changed to make sure that this never happens again. That way you're learning from your mistake, and there's less of a chance that you're going to make the same mistake over and over again. That's one of the big lessons we learned. Yeah, because I I would say that, you know, people today, they, they want to cover up their mistake. They want to say, oh, yeah, we had a problem, but don't worry, boss, it's all taken care of. Well, the person that replaces them is going to make the same mistake. And, you know, when we started our business, our contracts were only like three pages long. When we sold our business, they were 37 pages long. That's how many mistakes we made. But just imagine how how much better our business was. It was built on the backs of mistakes. Um, another thing that uh, we try to teach uh, people, entrepreneurs uh, and aspiring entrepreneurs, is uh, this whole business of treating people right, okay? So your mother, your grandmother used to say, uh, follow the golden rule. And then your mom used to say, well, put yourself in the other guy's shoes. And today we say, how would you like it? Well, how would you like it if you worked for yourself? You know, how would you like it if you sold to yourself? How would you like it if you bought from yourself? How would you like it if you owed money to yourself? And, you know, taking things like owing money, you know, one of the things we did is when we saw from our cash flow projection, and all businesses see this, that they can't make their payments. All right, what are you going to do? Are you going to run and hide? No, you're going to run at the person you owe the money to, and you're going to call them up ahead of time, and you're going to say, look, I owe you money. I know it's out there two weeks uh, in the in the future. I know you have bills to pay with this money. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to put you up tight. So I'm telling you now so you can make plans. I'm also telling you that I got three checks coming in. They're going to be late, but they're earmarked for your account. We'll bring it up to date. You know what most of the people we treated like that said, and these were people that we owed money to who were, who were giving us supplies. They said, you're the kind of business we and people we want to do business with, so we're going to increase your terms right now. And they all increased our terms because we treated them with respect. Same thing is true with people that you work with. You know, we had we had a salesperson who's making $125,000 a year, and people say, gee, you know, Michael and Bonnie, your salesperson is making 125000 and you guys are only making seventy five. We, we said, well, it's on commission. The more he sells, the more he makes. And we said, yeah. we hope that he makes 300000 so we'll make one hundred and fifty. Those are some of the it's, – it's really it's – really, we call it the barefoot spirit, but it's a philosophy, it's an attitude about business that I think that people benefit from. And, you know, it's, unfortunately it's not taught in the home anymore. I don't know if it's taught in church. I don't know if it's taught in school. 
but I know that people enter business and they have prejudices. They have attitudes about money, about people. You know, like a salesman, they think, oh, that guy's going to rip me off. He's He can sit out there in the hall for two hours, you know. He's just a salesperson. What they don't realize is that when that salesperson's got a deal or, you know, he knows a special way to buy, uh, you know, the cheapest way or there's a closeout, who's he going to go to? Is he going to go to your competitor first or is he going to go to you? So, I mean, if you treat him like gold, he'll treat you like gold. That's so accurate. But, um, by, by the way, uh, in reading your book, I couldn't – I checked off the, the various things – and I, I I couldn't disagree with a- anything that you said in your book, which is rare for me because oh. I'm an opinionated. Um, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank Don. you, Don. Um, but uh, uh, what you say is is absolutely true. But uh, what we see consistently is a, a lack of good. Ma- I call it good manners. That's what my mother would call it. Um, sure. Yep. yep. But there seems well, to I be think a... what's happened is we, we've gotten into this virtual world where we're tweeting and we're messaging and we're looking at things, you know, not in real time. We're not looking at people face-to-face. And so we don't see those hundreds of expressions or the way they hold their arms or step toward you or back or all, all the body language uh, that we used to get in face-to-face conversations and live telephone and and. As, as a result, we've kind of lost our manners because we're not getting that feedback anymore that we need to know, hey, I'm not getting across. This person is not paying attention to what I have to say. Well, yeah, the um, incident, uh, I kept emailing uh, a uh, someone who uh, owed us money, and it turned out the, that the woman had been gone for a month. From the, but the, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, she didn't employee. take her iPhone with her, and if she did, she had it shut off. <laughs> uh, uh, it's very. Uh, let me ask you a personal question: Are you uh, are you a couple? Ah, I'm glad you asked that. Tomorrow we are celebrating our 30th year together. We met 30 years ago. Well, uh, congratulations! How are you uh, celebrating it? Well, we're going to be. Uh, well, we're in New York today, and uh, we were going to go out to Central Park, but as you can tell when you look out the window there yeah. in New Jersey, it's raining. Uh, so we're going to go uh, look at, uh, go to some live theater and and uh, go to a restaurant uh, that we've been recommended to on the Lower East Side. It's a romantic place, and uh, we're going to uh, just have a romantic day today, and then tomorrow uh, we're going to be. Um, on uh, television, on Bloomberg television, talking about our book release and what have you. So um, it's interesting. When we met 30 years ago, we didn't think, geez, 30 years from now, we'll be releasing a book that covers 20 20 of our years together uh, and that we will have built a a, a blockbuster, you know, wine brand that's all over the United States and other countries, and uh, we'll be on Bloomberg TV for crying out loud. (laughs) And written an excellent book. Well, well, I know, and the title of which is? It's called The Barefoot Spirit. And How uh, Hardship, Hustle, and Heart. Completed. That's it. Oh, and it's available, is it an iBook or is it a, a print book? Oh. Well, let's hope they call us back. We were having a great interview. While while we're hoping that they'll call us back, um, I'll go to my uh, closing remarks because uh, this was such a uh, a great uh, uh, interview. I hope they call us back. The events of the past week involving the IRS demonstrates the power of the federal government to affect small enterprises. While the scandal relates to to nonprofit political entities, it nonetheless shows how frightening the mere mention of the IRS is to small businesses. Ah, uh, are you back? We we are. I don't know what happened there. We we lost you there for some reason. Uh, Oh, that's the censorship. That's the uh, people talking about hard work. Um, oh, is that what it was? Well, the subtitle <laughs> of our book is How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's 
number one wine. And believe me, it was hardship. Uh, it took hustle, and you have to have a heart. When you say hardship, uh, what do you mean? Well, I'll give you an example of hardship. Uh, We've been in business for 10 years, and, uh, you know, we started our laundry room. We had no money, no knowledge of the industry. Our first desk was a door on two sawhorses. You know, we finally get to a point where our wine is in most of the states and most of the supermarkets, and so we figure, well, you know, let's get a house. We've been living in this rented house for all these years. Let's buy a house. We don't want to buy a big house, you know, just a little house, like 300000 That's a little house in California. And uh, so we go to the bank, and the bank says, oh, no, we can't give you a loan. You don't qualify. And we said, why is that? And they said, well, you don't have a stable job. We said, well, wait a minute. You know, four of our employees have qualified for loans with your bank. Oh, that's different. They have a stable job. <laughs> you are self-employed. So we're not going to loan any money to you, just to your employees. <laughs> so that's an it example like of hardship. Banker. Another example of hardship is <clears throat> you go out there and uh, you're up against 50 states. And in each state, they have their own laws about alcohol beverage uh, marketing and distribution. So you have to learn all those and not break those laws. And then you have to work with distributors in every state. And distributors are overcrowded with products. And then you have to deal with the stores, and the stores have a limited amount of uh, retail shelf space. And then you have to deal with everything that goes on in the marketplace, which is that your brand Somebody puts the potato chips in front of your brand and it doesn't sell. Somebody puts in the wrong code and it doesn't get on the shelf or it's still in the back room or you name it, a million things happen. So you find out, gee, just when you thought you were going to make money at your business, you have to hire a policeman to be a cop in New York to keep his eyes peeled for everything that's happening in every store. We call them wine cops. (laughs) Yeah, wine cops. (laughs) But, I mean, like I said, we could be selling hammers at that point. You know, where's the romance of the wine business once you start selling in interstate commerce? What we really loved was working with the the end user, the people that uh, appreciated our good value and the great taste and the fun label. So we'd go out to the community fundraisers and events as much as we could so we could meet the people, and they loved it. That made it worthwhile. Yeah, and I would say, well, that's the heart part is that, you know, imagine the guy says, okay, I'll put you in the store, but if you don't sell in 30 days, I'm going to discontinue you, and you'll never go back in the store again. And so we thought, oh, my gosh, you know, we're unknown. How are we going to get people to come in and buy this product? We didn't have any money for advertising. So we go out into the neighborhood, and we find out that they're raising funds for a park for the kids after school. So we say, hey, we can't sell it, so we'll just give it to you, okay? Here's the wine. Use it for your fundraiser. You know, just allow us to come in and tell people uh, where they can buy it. So that happens. We tell them where they can buy it, and guess what? They go buy it at that store. So this turns out working better than advertising for us. So, you know, it's it's all of that, and it's it's working with people, uh, working working with your employees. Like, for one thing, employees really are looking at you like you are sort of like their parents, and they want to have validation that they've done the right thing. And so many companies will not give their employees validation because they're afraid, if I tell you you did a good job, you're going to ask me for a raise. Well, we didn't do that. We we told them they did a good job. We told them in writing, and we told the entire staff that they did a good job and exactly how and what they did. And the result was that more and more staff wanted to emulate that behavior because they wanted to get that kind of attention. Um, And we built teamwork by letting uh, the whole staff know what each individual was doing and how the success of the entire company was based on what each person did. And it's only as strong as the weakest link in a chain. So if everyone's working together, then you're going to have a good company. So they appreciated what their coworkers did, and we also had two divisions in our company. One division was sales, and the other division was sales support. And no other division. So if you were a receptionist, you were in sales support. If you were in marketing, you were in sales support. If you were in production, you were in sales support. 
So the idea and the way that we the way that we enforce that is everybody always wants a raise and everybody wants a bonus and we said yes you guys can get raises and bonuses and here's how when the salespeople make their bonus you will make a bonus if the salespeople don't make their bonus you won't make a bonus so that's all based on the number of cases sold and so so people would bend over backwards to make sure that our salespeople had the latest information the best marketing materials whatever they needed. They wouldn't put it on the bottom of their pile and get around to it next week. They'd do it that night. So that's part of the hustle part, too. So they all kind of work together. When you use the barefoot spirit, which is customer on top, salespeople right under the customer, and then after that, everybody else. When you make a business in that way, you're going to be successful. Mike, hold on one second. Uh, 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 we're going to go out of, of the live program and continue uh, as our archive program. Yeah. Uh, this is Don Mazzella, uh, and the program is Small Business Digest Radio. Uh, we uh, we welcome you and uh, uh, hope you, you will have a uh, good holiday. No, no, we're finished. Yeah. Yes. Well, leave it on. Leave it on until see if they come back on. Mike, are you back on? I don't know what's going on. We're at a hotel. Well, you're so interesting. Uh, our live portion of the program uh, uh, just ended, but we archived this program, and I'd like to continue with you. Oh, sure. Couple, Let's do it. Uh, because uh, uh, it's amazing. Uh, uh, Everything you've said uh, in your book and uh, uh, here uh, really uh, kind of fits um, uh, how I believe a, a smart small business. But unfortunately, uh, uh, w- what we're seeing in today's world is um, uh, a lot different. Um, we're, we're seeing uh, people who are angry, who are frightened. And uh, both the leaders and the employees. Do you want to comment on that? Well, I think what's happened is uh, we've been watching too much news, and we've let the attorneys run our companies. And that's all fear-based. It's all fear-based, and, and you know, there was a great there was a great, uh, there was, there was a great uh, 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 comic. Uh, uh, I forget what would you call it, a, a, a comic in the uh, Wall Street Journal uh, about a week ago. And uh, it showed a guy, he's at a bar, he's having a cocktail, and he's sitting next to a gal, and he's looking down at his drink, and he says, sure, they want me to be creative and imaginative, but I've got a career to take care of. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's that's the thing. You know, companies today... They want their people to be more entrepreneurial. Now, Bonnie and I work as consultants, and we've actually had companies try to hire us and say, we want you to help make our people more entrepreneurial. More creative. More creative, more imaginative, more yeah. resourceful, you know, uh, and, and think out of the box, okay? And then they say, but you can't change the way they get paid or our structure, <laughs> That's, that's probably uh, that's, impossible. That's like the guy that wants to fly, but he doesn't want to leave the ground. You yeah, know? right. Uh, what, uh, so, the one I, the one I love is uh, James Thurber's. She wants to be a femme fatale, but does not want to be involved with men. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, you know, then there's then there's the great Dilbert uh, a comic too. Uh, Dilbert comes into the conference room, and I, I guess it's Alice is there, and she's sitting with this guy who's got a, a checkered shirt and a bow tie on, and his hair is pulled straight back, and he's got horn rim glasses. And she says, 
This is Dexter. He's our new Six Sigma. He's going to solve all our problems. And uh, and so Dilbert looks at him and he says, well, he says, our uh, our finances are upside down and our products are pure crap. And uh, Dexter says, well, have you tried jargon yet? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I think what's happened is we, we, we've got a misconception of business. We've forgotten that what business really is is the exchange of energy where you produce something of value and you receive something of value. And the other problem that we have is we start we we start to look like at money like it was a thing. And money isn't a thing. It's just a representation of energy. And we have to really get clear on that if we want to be successful because it takes money to make money. You can't be afraid that somebody's making more money than you. You can't be afraid that somebody's succeeding, even if you're failing. Uh, in fact, what you really need to do is you need to be happy for everybody who gets ahead because that's going to help you get ahead. Just open your mind to opportunities and draw opportunities to yourself. So, there we go. What again? Um, leave it on till they get back. We'll, we'll just we'll just cut it when they get back. Yeah. Well, we've lost them, Michael. No, you haven't. We're back. Ah, okay. Uh, we're terribly sorry. I don't know what the problem is. Um, yeah. But, but uh, Michael, we're going to have to uh, end this uh, program. And, Bonnie, uh, I, I hope you'll come back sometime soon and talk again. Absolutely. We would love to, Don. And uh, be sure to tell your, uh, your listeners that uh, – the Barefoot Spirit will be on the stands, and uh, it's now available on Amazon. Uh, it's easy to remember, The Barefoot Spirit. Um, I think they're going to like it. It's a business adventure story. It's not a prescriptive text. And, uh, you know, we're people that are not that much different than you are. Well, I, I for one, will endorse that because I thoroughly enjoyed the book. And with that, I, I wish all our listeners... Uh, for the Small Business Digest Radio, a good day and prosperous future. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.